You're listening to the Social History Hub podcast brought to you by Creative Podcasts. Hello, I'm Lainey Malkani and welcome to the Social History Hub podcast. Every week I'll be exploring the nature of social history and what it means to us today with an exciting lineup of artists, entrepreneurs, academics and writers. They'll share their stories and relive the moments and events that inspired them. Coming up, a departure from our usual podcast as we explore a new photographic exhibition called Outsiders in London. It's inspired by Czech-born photographer Milan Svandelik, whose own story of living on the outside began with his family's expulsion from Czechoslovakia following communist rule. I'm Czech, Bohemian, in, in true sense of the word, and I was born in Czechoslovakia, right on the northern border of Czechoslovakia, right on the way, border with East Germany. And date of birth is really quite momentous for Czech Republic. That day, the democratic uh, government of Czech Republic fell and a communist took over. It was a dramatic development, but not for me, because of course I was just a kid. But for my parents, it was dramatic, because they're from that moment they were declared bourgeois, because of my father's association with Tito's partisans in Yugoslavia. As soon as uh, Stalin took over, or became more prominent within the Czech politics, we and our family became labelled as undesirables. Indeed, most of the families like ours were liquidated. My father's association with Yugoslav partisans saved our lives, but we did uh, finish under house arrest, which lasted until I was age seven. When we were, thanks to United Nations and Yugoslav intervention, we were expelled out of the country as undesirables, and I finished in Austria with the family with two suitcases, and then later on in Yugoslavia. So I arrived as a complete outsider into the new new country, very different from Czech Republic, not only climatically but culturally. And uh, it was a profound shock. In what way? I didn't speak the language. Everything. This was not quite Mediterranean country, but uh, obviously significantly warm. It is Middle Europa. Um, <clears throat> only 100 kilometers away from sea. So uh, the, the vegetables and the fruits and the landscape was lush and amazing and so much different from the northern uh, Czech Republic. But it was shock culturally too, because Yugoslavia was an extraordinary mixture of uh, Slavic people. And um, without speaking the language... It took me a number of years uh, to integrate into school and understand my new home. What's it like as a seven-year-old feeling that you are socially unwanted? I didn't feel that I was unwanted, but I didn't, I, I couldn't claim that I felt being part of the society. And yet one is, simply because of the circumstances. And therefore, there comes a point where you simply have to accept that you have to adapt, you have to master the language, you have to start to understand what the society is about and what 
what drives, what makes that society. And that's the point of turning. Some people call it an integration. That is the point where you feel that you start to be comfortable amongst your host and amongst the people who until then seem complete strangers. Do you remember those years fondly or does it pain you to go back to that period of time? No, it doesn't pain me now because uh, since then, of course, I changed the country several times. I lived in Switzerland and uh, and uh, then I <clears throat> now live uh, in London for over 40 years. So every time one changes country, one goes through similar experience. But of course, as a, as a child, as a youngster, um, it is easier and it is more difficult. It is easier because effectively one is so ignorant <laughs> in many ways of so many impediments which are in a way. But it's easier because that ignorance makes, makes it easier to overcome them in a funny way. So when I arrived to Switzerland, I was already as a young man of 20 or 18 or 19. One has, well, I spoke the language, which was German. So I, I had a head start. I, um, I didn't have to master the language. I just started to explore Switzerland from a day one. And uh, while I, there were many issues which I didn't understand and many, many backgrounds and cultural issues which I didn't fully comprehend, the progress was much faster. And when I arrived to the UK four years later, the process started again. Well, you've been here for 40 years, living in London. You laugh. Why is that? I laugh because I, I continue to be asked quite often, where do you come from? And one, if you have an accent, which one I, I clearly haven't shed, after 40 years... I feel a Londoner. I am a Londoner. But of course, in the eyes of many others, I continue to be the outsider. And of course, both facts are right, of course. Well, I consider you to be a Londoner. And as a Londoner myself, we share quite a lot, I think. <laughs> now, look, you went into photography. Why did you do that? I have always been creative in thousand and one ways. And having studied botany first and graduated there and then worked in Botanic Garden in Zagreb and later in, in Switzerland and then indeed arrived to um, UK to work within the field, I always hoped to pursue my career in visual arts. So once when I was in Britain, I started, started studying photography here. And then, um, quite by coincidence, I combined both of my professions. And that is that I worked for Royal Botanic Gardens Q, <laughs> uh, which meant that I um, everything which I have mastered uh, in, within the field of botany and all the love I had for plants... And then gradually progressed, and uh, and on the end, I managed the large team of designers, photographers, and uh, also all the publishing for Kew Gardens. Well, once when I retired at the age of fifty, for the first time again, time to explore the avenues which, in a sense, one had to neglect because one had to con concentrate on the priorities set by others, and to earn one's living. And I was creative together with my team. Uh, but uh, for the first time, so in other words, for the last 
12 years now, I had a time to uh, devote to explore issues which, um, which are close to my heart. Perhaps look at the society, uh, at the people who surround me, and explore topics without necessarily restricting myself financially or boundaries set by others, but explore issues which I thought are of great relevance for today. It seems to me that creatively you wanted to fly and also return back to this theme of outsiders. Would I be right in saying that? Well, yes, you are. I initially produced an exhibition just before the Olympics, which was called 100 Faces of London, which provocatively showed images of 100 ordinary Londoners in front of a palace which is dedicated to the famous and infamous the National Portrait Gallery, which I admire, which was provocative. And um, the exhibition itself was extremely well received. So when St. Martin's in the Field invited me back, I thought I would pursue this topic further, but take it into possibly in a more stronger social-political dimension. Many of the sitters of the Hundred Faces um, had something in common, and that is they all, in many ways, appeared to me as outsiders. Um, so it was an easy thing to conceive and to move and to explore further what that actually means. I must emphasize the exhibition itself, The Outsiders in London, Are You One Too? It's not about me. It's about the 40 most extraordinary individuals who are telling, sometimes for the first time, sharing with the rest of the world who they are, how they live, and why they feel to be outsiders. But what's more, we explore what they achieved. And some of those achievements are just extraordinary. In which case, why didn't you include your own story in that? My story is included indirectly, because in a sense, the outsiders, what binds us all, are common threads. And I feel that in many ways, the artist's position should always be on the outside. I'm the observer, and um, if somebody invites me in, I'm delighted to to present them, to photograph them, to interview them. But I prefer to keep myself on the outside. I perhaps, the way how I perceive it almost is that for this exhibition I have drawn a, a frame and the 40 individuals who kindly agreed to take part have created the mosaic. And it is extraordinary one too. Have you documented social history in the process? The answer is yes, because social history, or some people call it social anthropology, it's about how we live, what are our priorities. And as we all know, the famous and the infamous are well documented, and they always have been. But in a sense, those individuals perhaps show sometimes trends or peaks and troughs, but the true representation 
of where we are can be told best through the stories and through the lives of ordinary people. Now, there are 40 ordinary stories within my exhibition. Ordinary because they are about mainly about ordinary individuals. But of course, I want to correct myself immediately and say that, of course, none, there is no individual there who could really be described as ordinary. Did you consider, in putting together these 40 images and their stories that you would be capturing a period of history a period of social history did you think about that when you set out to do it the hundred faces of london had only a minimum amount of information but information which was critical and that is it had names but it also featured and i was very keen to emphasize the ethnicity because london is such an extraordinary place and we had brought together people from so many diverse parts of the world that I thought it was very important to document that. Some people criticized me for not including the religion. And I felt uh, I, don't, I did, didn't wish to do that for simple reason is that I feel strongly that it's a religion which we adopt ourselves. The ethnicity is that what we are, whom we are? And therefore, um, the Hundred Faces plotted effectively where people came from, where the parents of those individuals came from. It was fascinating. But I was also conscious that in that exhibition, what was missing is the stories, their lives. And so many people asked me and wanted me to tell more about the individuals behind those extraordinary faces. So when the opportunity came to uh, feature the 40 outsiders of London, that gave me the opportunity to develop the concept of the interview and the life story which is now associated with each photograph. And did you feel a sense of responsibility when you were taking the photographs, talking to them about their background, representing them as in the collage, the mosaic of images, as you've described it. Did you feel a sense of responsibility when you were putting that together that, you know, this is something which in years to come, generations in years to come will look back at this and it will reflect a particular period of time? Well, on a modest way, yes. Uh, because after all, the Hundred Faces of London culminated with a, a unique present to British Library, and that is that we donated a unique volume of all hundred images and associated texts. And that is uh, that has now become a permanent collection of British Library. On this occasion, I had possibly less ambitious intentions. But nevertheless, I was conscious that the stories which are now already online and will remain there for some time will become inevitably part of a social history of London. And how do you feel about that? I would like to hope that the people who took part feel that they have been objectively represented and they have contributed towards a much broader picture which, in my opinion, is beautiful. But not only beautiful, it also enlightening. It tells us what people are, 
what London is about. And in reality, it hopefully reveals that the sense of not belonging and sense of being an outsider is emotion which we all in reality know. The reason why some people feel outsiders within a society, within one's own home, within one's own country, will always be with us. It's a universal feeling. And I find it strange sometimes when, uh, when I discuss the, uh, the topic with people who seem very comfortable and settled in their skin, that they do not recognize that within themselves they are also outsiders in one way or another. It's not a question of not belonging. It's a question of recognizing that we all know what it is and we will all certainly experience. That's amazing. Milan, thank you very much indeed. Milan Schwanderlich there, and Outsiders in London is at the Gallery in the Crypt, St Martin's in the Fields, in London, from March 30th to 9th of May. That's it from this week's special edition of the Social History Hub podcast. You've been listening to the Social History Hub podcast. You can listen again to our podcast at socialhistoryhub.com or download each programme from our website, from our RSS feed or from iTunes. And if you have a story to tell, why not drop me an email? Lainey at socialhistoryhub.com. The Social History Hub podcast was brought to you by Creative Podcasts.